Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Cariad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey Griefsters, I hope you're having an okay week. Um, Thank you so much for all your wonderful, lovely comments about the new season. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I have mentioned it a little bit, but I have written a book. It is called You Are Not Alone and it is coming out next year. You can pre-order it now. I've tweeted the link at The Griefcast, so if you head to my Instagram at Cariad Lloyd or at The Griefcast, you can find the link there as well. Um, Pre-orders are amazing. They really help out authors and they make everybody um, excited about a book. So if you have enjoyed any part of The Griefcast on this five-year journey, I would appreciate it so much. Thank you. This week, I'm talking to the brilliant writer and journalist Kat Lister. Uh, Kat has written for a variety of incredible magazines, NME, New Musical Express, Marie Claire, Cosmopolitan, Vogue, Refinery29, The Pool, and she has a new book that is out now called Elements, A Widowhood, which is available to buy now. It is an incredibly beautiful book about how she found her way after the loss of her husband Pat in 2018 and becoming a widow when she was just 35 which is obviously uh, a lot of what we talked about. I was really grateful that Kat came in to talk to me. She is um, a really wonderful person. It was lovely to speak to her. I hope you enjoy. Who are we remembering today? Um, So we're remembering my late husband, Pat Long. I was with him all in all for a decade and we were married for five years and... We met at the New Musical Express. Yeah, I love that story yeah. in the that you actually met years ago before you got together. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I always say there's no perfect anecdote for how we got together because we worked in an office for uh, about a year and a half, actually. And so we met in 2007 and really didn't cross each other's radars wow. at all. We were just sort of in different, yeah. you know, 
different parts of the office and actually I would say probably different points in our lives um, and our paths crossed a little bit later at, um, at a, a colleague's leaving party a couple of years later so we got together a few years after we first met and it was one of those strange kind of coincidences where we were standing outside a pub and just something just clicks into place um so yes that's how we that's how we started dating and we married in 2013 and a year before that we were living in separate parts of london at the time and he was living alone and i got a phone call on a sunday evening early evening to say he'd had a nap um we thought he'd had a nap um had woken up with bruises all down his face and down one side of his body and he didn't know um what had happened And that's how we discovered that he had a brain tumour. Oh, my God. What? This is a stupid question. But, like, when you mm. first got that diagnosis, so you'd only <clears throat> been together... Oh, you'd been together some years by this point. A few yeah. years, yeah. So, you know, you were together. You knew this is a pretty serious relationship. And he was obviously young when he gets his diagnosis. Yes. Like, how do you even process something like that? Or, or do you realise now you didn't? You know, you just sort of say oh right yes but your, your brain is like I can't really take that in it's not uh, yeah I, and I wouldn't even say it, uh, that that it is a process yeah. um there's shock yeah um and there's um I think uh, any traumatizing event and that certainly was what you know the most traumatizing event that's ever happened to me getting that voicemail and I write about that in the book because yeah. Actually, a, a, a big aim in the book was to just do away with these, what I think is, um, I think we put pressure on ourselves to, 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 to handle these things in a, in a perfect way. We do it with grief, yeah. we do it with illness, we do it with caring for somebody, and we do it with how we process such events. So for me, I felt incredible guilt because I wasn't with Pat when he was given this diagnosis. Um, I wasn't with him in A&E, I fell asleep. And I wanted to be very honest with the reader in the book um, because I feel like we put pressure on people to to do things perfectly. When I got that voicemail very early the next morning, um, I write about um, how that affected me in the moment um, in a very visceral way. And that's sort of bringing in the elements as well. So I talk about sort of like, you know, the, the fire in my fire in my palms you know when I got got that news and I you know the reason that I picked the title the elements was because I I found that using these four elements um so it it starts with fire and it goes through water earth and air is that it, it it gave me this freedom to to talk about grief in ways that I didn't feel like I had read before mm. um and it's something that I was looking for in the early months of my grief but 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 back to when he had his diagnosis and and after his seizure and the years that followed I would say you don't really it's hard to accept life changing in that way it's a huge shift um I talk about sort of like earthquake cracks you know it was very difficult and very hard um, and you just you, you try to make the best of things, um, but you are constantly living in the present and in, in, in what is happening right now. It's it's almost impossible to plan for the future. Um, you yeah, grieve for the past that you've had, so yeah. you, you're living in a very strange vortex, I would say. And I guess extremely unusual situation in that you know most of your peers or friends at that young age are not having to contemplate 
death and mortality and a a shortened future. Mm. Did you search for other people in your situation or were you two kind of like, we're just dealing with this shit show right now? At that time, no. I had a complete block, which is interesting considering the fact that as soon as Pat died, I completely became obsessed with reading. Um, I was a voracious reader. I read as much as I could. When Pat was unwell, it was like I had my hands Mm. cupped over my ears. Um, I was going, la, 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 I don't want to hear it. um, Because I was so fearful of what was going to happen because I knew the diagnosis. He was diagnosed with a mixed glioma brain tumour. And for those who, and, and why, you know, unless you've been yeah. through this, you, you wouldn't know what this means. But a mixed glioma brain tumour um, is almost like a cluster of different kinds of tumour. Um, and part of his mixed glioma was um, a glioblastoma, which is a grade four brain tumour. And it's the most aggressive form right. um, you could possibly get. Um, and because we knew that only 70% of his tumour could be removed, I always knew that that 30% was subject to, to some kind of change. That, that yeah. at some point that is going to morph and it is going to become more aggressive. We just didn't know when. So it was a waiting game and it was, it was you know, every treatment that he had was to buy us more time. It wasn't yeah. a fix, you know? And so you have to live with that information. You have to be present in the everyday whilst also acknowledging that there is this, this gigantic elephant in the room. Yeah. That you don't always want to engage with because you you want to be able to enjoy your life at the same time. And how do you do that? Yeah, God, it's such a difficult situation. I, I thought it was lovely the way you talked about um it made me laugh the way that Pat <laughs> would like joke about it. Oh gosh, <laughs> and yeah. It was so I thought that was so um real in the way mm. that we do when something happens you know when it especially as a couple you know you develop this like shorthand jokes about everything because you're trying to cope with (laughs) with it but with a diagnosis like that like the way he was joking to you or sending you pictures of lemons or something because they said it was the size of a lemon yes exactly lots of citrus jokes citrus (laughs) jokes yeah and then of course you've got like that's our theme right so now the any citrus joke works because we've established that's our theme which is how comedy works guys um so yeah it's like I just think it's it's such a lot to deal with. And it's very, yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? That while it was happening, you didn't seek out the experiences that you seeked out afterwards, which I completely can relate to. Because I think this is the thing about, I, I guess, long, slow illnesses or terminal illness, cancer. Mm, mm. It's such a it's such an insane thing that's happening when you're watching someone die, and really mm. you have to you have to sort of wait for them to die before you can go okay right what just happened, mm. and for some people so for my dad it was very short it was mm. um, you know three months of protracted illness mm. other people like with happened to Pat you know it's years but that whole process is your life as you said like on a very you're on a different time scale to everybody else you know Absolutely. you're not operating at the same. You're not operating at the same clock. Well, there's this elasticity of time, right? So, you know, he had his tumour for six years. And when he had his final diagnosis that, 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 you know, he had only weeks to live, you know, that was suddenly time is speeding up in a way that it felt really stretched, 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 stretched. Um, And that was, you know, that was very hard after he died because, um, as you know, with grief, you know, time it it, it morphs in it and it becomes this strange um I would say almost like liquid thing and you distrust it you know I didn't trust time 
because it didn't operate in the way that I had been taught that it should, yeah. um, which is probably why I started to read all sorts of like physics books because I just I <clears throat> wanted to try and understand what's happening here yeah. um, and why does a you know I would say like a day in my grief could feel like a year you know or I'm trying to recall something that Pat said three years ago and it's it, it's gone you know and it's really hard when you feel like it's not time isn't tangible and of course it isn't but when you're in such an extreme circumstance that becomes so obvious and and immediate to you that you want to understand why or at least I did yeah definitely and I think we it comes back to the, like the problem <laughs> is what we're taught yes is we're taught that time is stable and it, you know a day's the same and like years are the same and they're not like you know you know that when you you know you turning six is, is very different to turning 35 like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. feeling is very different but we're, we're constantly told no it's 24 hours a day everything should feel the same and mm. and I think you write really beautifully and I you wrote um you referenced this book that I've also just started reading about oh it's the physics one about color of yes, yes. my friend just my brilliant writer friend Rebecca Schiller just recommended that to me and I started it and I was like so he talks about how time is literally different um whether you're above sea you know very high above sea level exactly that. explain it better yeah than I well could there there are there um i mean scientists have these these clocks these nuclear yeah. clocks um and they can actually track time so precisely um that time actually passes slower yes um, that's it. at sea level than it would say at mount everest um, yeah. And it's and it's it, it incredibly slight. I mean, like not point not 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 not. But you know yeah. that 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 difference is there. And I write about how in the early few weeks and few months of my grief, I would often read on the floor. I mean, I'd often sit on the floor. And at the time, I didn't really know why. It just felt quite comforting. And reading Carlo Rovelli, I wondered if it was because I was just trying to like slow time down you know to be in in control of both what was happening to me but also my own body my own physicality which is a huge theme in the book is this reclamation of myself yeah Um, is 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 a I would say one of the biggest themes of the elements yeah definitely and I, I think you wrote really beautifully as well about going back to the person who you know pre this situation yes and I think that's another thing if you've dealt with grief or or illness of like this kind of and I guess again we can relate to it pre-pandemic isn't it like looking back through you know I mean you know you you reference it as well like kind of through the looking glass feeling of oh that world Mm -hmm. (laughs) where Mm -hmm. this didn't exist and I didn't know what Mm -hmm. you know geoblastomas meant and I didn't know what Mm -hmm. how much radiotherapy would affect someone like you know all that and it's such a it's such an interesting I thought it was an interesting take on grief that when you when you sort of you know pat had passed away and you were like right here's my grief the first thing you do is go right okay back almost back to the beginning of my narrative where did this where did this begin which i can we talk about a lot on the show of like it's it's about controlling a narrative because Mm -hmm. you're because grief fucks up your narrative (laughs) it's like yeah exactly that this wasn't the story i was reading what's happened here yeah and i thought it's interesting you you wrote about like going back to where he you know to mexico where he'd proposed to you and Mm -hmm just like the girl before the girl before all this came because because i was incredibly young i was incredibly young when he died i was 35 he was 41 i was 25 when we met when we first started dating you imagine yourself at 25 years old you know i became fixated and i would say to my best friend on on the phone 
I don't want to go back to her. I don't want to go return back to who she was because I wasn't happy in my early 20s. And how do I know that I'm not going to return to this person because I felt like my one stabilising experience had been pat you know I would describe him as my tree roots you know and my branches are all like going all over the shop but my roots were always very strong because I felt like he had this a very calm he was very calm and stabilizing and wise you know and I have you know I go up and down you know and I I can sort of I can fluctuate um and I, I was frightened I was very scared um, of who I was going to become. Am I going to stay the same? I can't be the same person that I was with this person now that they're no no longer here. Well, okay, well, if you take that pin out, what's going to happen? And it was a very methodical decision for me, you know, that I I sat down and I thought about it. um, And I I went back to Mexico with my my best friend, Andy. And I said to him, I was like, I need to go back. Will Will you go with me? And we did, um, and it, it it was what I needed at that time. It's interesting, I guess, unhelpful comparisons, but like when you're grieving a parent, you have no mm. often no recollection of life without them, and mm. that's that's what your your fear is like. Well, this is everything I've ever known. Like, what happens now? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, isn't it? The grief of a partner, in this case, a husband you have a very clear identity of what you were before them. Like you can yes. say, I know that I knew that person and now what? And I think that's really interesting to me that that slight differentiate, um, differentiate, oh. <laughs> differentiation. Well, yeah, whatever you say. The there we are. <laughs> of, yeah, of that grief. Because Ooh. it is the same. And I think you fear it. You do fear it as a child who's lost a parent, but you, it's more that childish fear of like, oh God, but like when the grown-ups aren't here, what happens? Like, because mm. that's what you've been fear. But yeah, I think it must be a really tough experience, like you said, to know that girl who wasn't very happy, met that man who made her feel stable and calm and relaxed and, mm. you know, grounded. I can really relate to that. I grew up with him in a way. Yeah. You know, I matured with him by my side. Yeah. So I'm not to say... I don't want to give the impression that I like like pod people, you know, we weren't that, we weren't a couple that spent all of our time together. We were actually very independent and very individual, but there was that reassurance that he was there. There's someone there just to sort of like buffer you in a way. Um, yeah, well, safety the, net, isn't it, slightly? Yeah. And especially, mm. I can relate to being a bit of a branch person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a bit up in the, up in the clouds, yeah. slightly, living in my nest up there, to have someone that you're like, oh, if I fly too high, they'll be That's like, it. you're going really high. <laughs> like, oh, okay, thanks. I didn't know, because I'm up so high, so I'm not very good at judging the distance. So, mm. yeah, like, and you, I talk, I thought it's really interesting how many grief books you reference <laughs> I've read a lot and I was reading your book and I was like well I think Kat's actually definitely read more than I have what was it that yeah what were you searching for just how did other people do this was that kind of the thing like some other people have people have been dying forever so how how is this like a manual I need to find I didn't want to talk ah, I didn't want to talk to anybody and I, I for some reason and you know ev- I, I cannot reiterate this enough everyone is different in their grief yes. grief is an individual thing okay so when I say all of this I'm saying that this personally for me was right for me I'm not saying that this is a blueprint for anyone else but for me I avoided joining any groups 
I didn't want to speak to any contemporaries who had been through the same thing. I didn't want to hear their experiences. I wanted to read because that way I could be alone. Yeah. It felt very private. It felt safe. Um, and I could create my own world. Um, so I think it was a way of searching for a support system that didn't require any engagement from me other than just reading these words on the page. And I could yeah. just kind of... I, at that point, I, w- I think I was kind of ghost-like, you know? And I could just sort of... It's like osmosis. I could just sort of dissolve into the pages yeah. and just intermix with their words for a short time before I could find my own. But it's interesting to me, like you said, that you didn't want to talk. Because I think so many people, especially if they're not in the club, think, oh, <laughs> they need to talk, you know, mm. and, they, and that will help. And I'm a, such an advocate of talking, really, really massive. But I didn't want to talk at the beginning. Mm. I think that's important sometimes for people to realise like it because the timeline of grief is slowed down. You know, you're, you're not existing at normal time. And that first year or first couple of years, you might just not want to go into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially um, I've noticed from talking to people after a long illness, because you've been, di- you've been having to talk to doctors and people and go through it all. And actually, it's quite nice to have a break from going, so today they've done this, they've taken this, we need to do that, like all of that mm. kind of sort of yeah heavy admin <laughs> i guess yeah I call it death, yeah and also when when <clears throat> when the person dies and you have all the grief admin oh the death min yeah the sad min whatever you want to it, call it's it it's just it's endless yeah um, and at a point where you just want to pull down the blinds and go to sleep forever <laughs> you can't do that you have yeah. to engage it's hard you, isn't it i was sort of wondering if they should be like a law where you don't have to do anything for six months but actually I know from other people, so many people go, I didn't want to engage, but the engaging was quite useful that I had to go and do this thing. And I had to speak to someone, actually, whether you pulled down the blinds, would you pull them up again? <laughs> if, like, That's it. Um, and know. it gives you, and it, and it, and it gives you structure, you know, yeah. it, it gives you structure to your days that otherwise wouldn't be there, but it is very um, discombobulating, it, yeah. it, you know, because you're, you're it, within you, you have this cacophony of, of, thoughts and shouts and screams and whispers and you know all sorts and and at the same time you're sitting down and filling out very practical I would I write in the book about how I felt like it's sort of homogenized Pat's death you know just to be like ticking boxes and you know picking out what kind of urn do you want and it can feel almost an insult to the person that you've lost because you just want to scream the most incredible person is gone and I'm deciding whether I'm going to have a eco-friendly urn or it just it, it it doesn't fit together. It doesn't, does it? It doesn't. I like... yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. I do, I, but I would say that I felt like there was more freedom in those early months yeah uh, oh yeah that's true yeah or behave however the hell I wanted yeah, to yeah that's true you know you can do whatever I could do yeah. whatever I wanted and everyone, no one's everyone's that. like do you know what better do a thing and um, I found that difficult as time and I still do as time goes on yeah. um there's little leg room um, yeah. to to be wild in your grief, as I would say. Yeah, people give you, as we, you know, it comes up a lot, I think the first six months, go crazy, do what you like. Then a year, people are like, yeah, okay, past that, they start sort of, and again, is that, I wonder if it's like a kind of primal society thing of like trying to ground you, of like, no, 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 don't do that because they're worried about somebody you know losing their mind to grief and somehow in your when you see someone acting a bit crazy you're like oh no 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 like you shouldn't do that for the good of the group (laughs) well I also thread in a lot of gender into the book because I do feel like gender does play into how we expect women to grieve um and I also explore my resentment at the term widow I, I, I find it problematic um a widower, I think, has more of a cachet than oh, yeah. a widow, and I think you know, in the same ter- you know, terms as you know, bachelor has has yeah. more of a romance to it than than widow does, um, and I couldn't relate to it. I didn't want it. hadn't asked for it, and there was a lot of push and pull there. You know, I resented it because I didn't see why I should conform and subscribe to a title I hadn't signed up for you know I'd 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 said yes to being a wife but I hadn't said yes to being a widow that's something that's just put on you whether you want it or not um the first time I had to tick that box you know for my house insurance I was like fuck this I was angry (laughs) I didn't want to be ticking that box um and so I sort of grapple with the gender stereotypes and this slight fetishization we have of how we perceive widows whether we're aware of it or not there i think culturally and socially is this subliminal coating that we put on widowhood for women and i look at that the impossible ideal of of the grieving widow you know and i talk about growing up watching the scottish widow on oh yeah yeah you know the tv ads you know the very sort of calm she's mute she's impossibly beautiful and she's you know well, in the 80s, I remember her sort of leading us out of the maze. So it could really that dream of that cloak. I wanted that cloak so badly. <laughs> she's wise, you know, yeah. and she's and she knows the way. And it's like, uh, I felt like all the maps had been burnt. I didn't feel like I knew the way at all. I certainly wasn't mute. And so I didn't... 
I, I couldn't really attach myself to it. Um, yeah. It wasn't a word that I felt I could connect with. Yeah, and I think it, especially when you're, like you said, the, the, the youngness, you know, that's, I remember my, so my mum was in her early 40s when my dad died and, you know, she said the same thing of like, it's not, it's not, they, they don't look like this. Mm. <laughs> you know, they widows have grey hair and blankets around their shoulders and are sitting calmly by a fire. Like you said, like that's not, it doesn't fit with youth. It doesn't fit with who, you know, like you said, the, the day before you were a, a wife and no one would have blinked tonight, suddenly you're a young widow, which makes it one sure. like, oh, yeah. oh, who is that? What do we do with someone like that? What does, which is why fit? I picked up on two very notable younger widows yeah. um, on opposite ends of the spectrum. So I picked out Jackie Kennedy and I picked out Courtney Love. And I did yes. that to show this polarising... Um, images we have of widowhood on the one hand we've got Jackie Kennedy incredibly graceful elegant like, a, like the Scottish widow beautiful and mute on you know on the steps of, of the capital you know we all have that image in our heads and then we've got Courtney Love you know who just did not want to subscribe to any of this bullshit yeah. you know and made and was very vocal um, and behaved in ways that traditionally we would think was you know unseeming you know like just not not how a woman should behave um and I think I probably I'd say I probably yo-yoed but um for me Courtney Love was how how I felt at my core and you know when we talk about emotional autonomy especially with grief um and speaking about gender you know I, I found that people uh, around me were more able and more comfortable to deal with certain aspects of yes. my grief. So that would be sadness, then the anger and the frustration. Yeah. Um, they didn't quite know what to do with that. Yeah. I mean, I can really relate to that. And uh, yeah, we talked about a lot in the show that because I was a very angry griever, <laughs> mm. I was furious. And, of course you were. And people don't like, you know, they, they do find that. And, you know, I get it when someone's angry at me it's horrible no one wants angry people they're really difficult to deal with but um it's so weird with grief when when you see that reaction you know like so if you have a quiet cry that's very graceful and all your friends or people are like oh oh gosh yes we want to help you and when you're screaming everyone's like ah like I gotta go <laughs> mm. and um it's it's hard because you have so you feel like you don't have much control sometimes with grief, how you're reacting. Like you, you're not choosing to be furious about it. It's mm. just, you just are. And there has to be a place to express that. And it's, I remember my my mum, what you know, obviously did get angry, but not at the level that I did. And I used to always say to her, like, I wish I could react differently. Like, I wish I could choose a different emotion for you. Like that I could just be crying and sad, but like, there's not, I don't feel like I have a choice. I feel mm. like, I opened the box of how I felt and literally there was a just burning red hot ball of fire. Mm, mm. And I was like, well, that's what I got. That's what mm. I got dealt. And it is, yeah, the anger. The Courtney Love thing you wrote was really interesting to me because I remember, you know, I was younger when Kurt Cobain died and I remember everybody kind of criticising her and like you described yeah. people <laughs> criticising that performance. And I remember being like, oh, right, yeah, she was really like uncontrollable. And then you read it like, it was like four months after her husband had died, like in horrific circumstances. Like, yeah, no wonder the woman was like standing on stage being furious. Like, exactly that. Why and you know, reviewers, that? reviewers of that gig were saying, you know, yeah. they, they, they wouldn't sort of blatantly say that they were criticising her, but in saying, here she is. Three months after Kurt 
died you know that that is a that's a comment you know that is a critique that's the that's the issue when we talk about time we talk about the person who's grieving and how they process time but then also you you're surrounded by people who are putting their own time limits on 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 how you're how you're I mean processing I don't know whether that's the right term for grief I, I don't think it is but I think that people put their versions of time on you so you're grappling with like different notions right yeah um and that's incredibly hard um I would say I still feel that now you know that it's been over three years since Pat died and only three years I mean that is extraordinary like that you've written this book and that you've investigated it and have been able to be so eloquent about it like I as we say on the show like three years to me I'm like it's nothing it's absolutely Mm. like like fresh I say when when I if your first five years I consider it pretty fresh Mm. and I know I've interviewed people before when I say, oh, a bit fresh. And they're like, oh, am I? Because everyone else is making me feel like TikTok, TikTok, why are you still talking about it? I'm like three years is just, it's so weird, isn't it? Because I feel like if you if I met you and you said, oh, my husband has has had cancer for three years, I wouldn't be like, Oof. I mean, why are you still talking about it? <laughs> like, right, you know, yes. three years of cancer, you're like, oh, it's not long. You know, he's had it for three years, not long, weird. But three years of grieving, people cannot wait to ship you out and be like, come on, stop talking about it, get over it. And it's like, it's nothing, mm. you know? No. It's, it's absolutely it's, nothing. It's, 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 it's such a strange thing. Yeah. Um, and it does, it feeds into what we were saying originally about this elasticity of, yeah. of time. And time is an interpretation, uh, you know, in the same way that everyone grieves individually, I think everyone has their own notions of what time means yeah. for them. Um, and I do think that unless you've been through an acute grief like this, as much as a friend can say that they're there for me, they cannot possibly understand and I don't mean that as a criticism it's just it is a fact for me that I there are days and this happened quite recently actually I mean I I have my dips and I had one at new year that I can't talk I can't I can't explain where I am when I'm in it It, I feel so estranged from myself Mm. I feel so foreign it's like I don't have a language for it. <laughs> you express it so much more beautifully than I did as a teenager. My running refrain was, what the fuck just happened? What the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. all I could think yeah. was like, yeah. everything was fine and now yeah. it's not. Like yeah. what just, and I felt like I wanted to, I felt like the world never stopped long enough for me to go, right, I just want to have a look because there's a really big mess. So I just want to understand why the mess happened. And it was like, you know, yeah. like you said, time kept happening and I never got to stop and go. So I was always like, sorry, can everyone just, what the fuck just happened? Like, but I still like, get that now. Yeah. I still get that now. Uh, I've, I'll be walking down the street and it hits me. It's like, what, like you say, what the fuck? Just happened, yeah. like, how, like, how and why and what and where? These are the these are the questions you ask yourself because yeah. you ask yourself how did this happen? Why did this happen to the person that I loved the most? And where is he? And and oh. where can I pinpoint him? And I yeah. can't. All I can say is that I you know I, I say he's almost like my third eye now. You know that I I, I feel him almost like behind my eyes, it, and that sounds quite sinister. It's not. No, no. It actually feels quite. Um, I'm seeing I'm seeing the world differently um, and it's so strange that I'm seeing the world differently because this person is no longer with me there's a lot of guilt that you carry with, yeah. with grief and death um, so it's so multi-layered it's very multifaceted and I still struggle with that as well you know that I 
I wrote this book. I wrote a book. You want to you want to scream from the rooftops? I wrote yeah. a book. I worked really hard. I'm so proud of this. The reason that I wrote this book and the subject is 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 ghastly. You know, yeah. it's it's like the worst thing that can possibly happen. And the one person I want to say I wrote this isn't here to say that to. Um, that's that's strange reality to be in. That tension, I think, is something you just you sort of learn to live with because you have to what's you know that's the option on the table i know so many people have expressed this as well but, but previously of like yeah there's there are positives of course they're positive but there's all these mm. negatives and, and you can't split them apart it's not like you said it's just like big massive mess you you can't like layer it up and be like oh well, that's fine for that reason that like it makes no sense and it's it, yes it's contradictory yeah um, it's so contradictory and I totally relate to that feeling of like, oh, this this great thing has happened, which I'm able to do because you died. <laughs> like, well, that, yes, that's exactly why that. I'm able to um, do this. And that's why the third section, Earth, is, um, I would say, the section I'm most, I was the most fearful to let go of and send out yeah. into the world. Um, but I'm also the, the most proud of, I'm, I'm proud of the writing, but I'm proud of, of, of writing this topic because um you know a huge part of this book is about reclaiming one's physicality after trauma um especially as a young woman um, and i write um quite directly about that i write about engaging with myself sexually again i write about self-pleasure i you know topics that i hadn't seen connected up yeah, with yeah, grief yeah. But I was terrified of sending that out. It's interesting that a lot of readers have come back to me saying that that is their favourite section, which <laughs> is really uh, pleases me so much because I was very anxious um, because it wasn't a traditional narrative and it certainly wasn't a narrative that I'd read. Yeah, I think especially when it comes to death of a partner. Yes. Because it's obviously like it's a very... For that, for that group of people, that's an, an a really important part of it, of loving again, being sexual again, like all of that stuff. And, and so much of grief writing is doesn't want to look at that. It wants to go, oh gosh, my heart, you know, yeah. like my it's heart. It's the pre-Raphaelite, isn't yeah. it? It's the pre-Raphaelite, it's, you know, Lady of Shalot, yes. Yeah, like we can, <laughs> we, I, am, I am asunder, like, and we can relate to that and we're fine mm-hmm. with that. But like a woman being like, so I, you know, I want to have sex again. It's like, whoa, like, oh. Yeah, you don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. And um, I interviewed um, Dr. Sarah Seeger, who is an amazing MIT astrophysicist who wrote about the death of her husband. Yeah, oh, you would love her book. It's called The Smallest Lights in the Universe. And she writes about grief and stars and you know, her job is to discover exoplanets like oh my god she me. sounds like my dream woman yeah you would you <laughs> would love me her up. <laughs> and she she spoke a bit about that she was saying like she ended up meeting a bunch of widows in her in her town in america who literally like formed a widow's club they kind of found her and were like come on and their first thing they said was like right you need to go on a date you need to kiss someone and she was like it's a really important thing you like have to like you know in the, and i had never obviously as someone who's not dealt with that grief I'd never realised that's on the list of firsts because, for, you know, mm. I speak a lot mm. about like, oh, first Christmas, first birthday, first anniversary, all these things. And she was like, yeah, and you have to deal with first kiss, first the rest of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That As a widow, that's the other section mm-hmm. of our grief that we're having to face. And mm. it's like, it is not discussed at all. Like, no, it's and, not. You know, and moving on, people find so uncomfortable. Like, mm. if anybody... Mm. Yeah, I... It's, it's so... But it was also, like, in the book, it was... Um, 
It was so much more complex than that because of the illness, you see. Because yeah. um, I, we'd lived with this illness for so many years. Um, and we'd also, during this time, had tried for a family, which um, unfortunately just didn't quite come together in the way that we hoped it would. So in writing about that in, in this section, I was also acknowledging that. I was acknowledging the grief of, of, of miscarriage, but also of, of how I kind of pummeled my body for many yeah. years um, to try and make this family happen because it, it became a fixation in a way and um, that if I could achieve that that I was holding on to something of us and in doing so I lost complete sense of myself and where I was and who I was and I completely disconnected from my body I became so numb to my my own physicality that when that started to flicker again it was quite um, early on after Pat died. It was um, around my birthday, which is around April time, and, and he died in August. I started to feel this this, this flickering. It, it felt quite miraculous, and um, again contradictory. You, 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 you feel quite guilty about that. Yeah, there was like this primal urge. I, I do think it's quite a, a primal animalistic thing in this kind of grief to feel you want to feel something else yeah. you have this urge to feel something anything else yeah. um and so it strikes me as quite normal that I bought a vibrator you know it's like because you don't want to be stuck in this in in yeah. in, in this in this um pit yeah of 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 of, of all these like uh, emotions that are consuming you if for like you know t- you know 15 minutes out of your day you can feel something else you can kind of almost like just just cut the cut the strings a bit oh my god and you know there's plenty of people who you know don't buy a vibrator they go and buy a lot of alcohol <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. to feel so like i'm like buy the vibrator like, a lot more healthy good for your immune system good for your mental health you know 16 bottles of whiskey i'd be like oh cat i don't know feel like yeah time out yeah time out time out by all means don't mm. feel guilty but i think feel a little bit yeah like definitely like that fi- you know i think it's weird isn't it like uh, i know it's not weird like relating sex to comedy but like it's the same reason we make jokes you know that you just yeah. want a fucking break from the fucking grief <laughs> like yes because it's so like you said it's a pit it's relentless like that's why you know you and your husband text each other citrus jokes that's why like people make jokes around people dying in their beds like that's why you buy a rope like all of this stuff is to remind you like you said primal sure. and i feel like there's a little kind of voice that keeps tapping you going you're alive you didn't die you well, this is die. it. Um, you oscillate between sort of feeling like you need to confront these feelings and confront yeah. the grief and and, and 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 own it, and then you know you have to get on with your day and yeah. you want to be distracted. You know, I did go to the cinema, I did you know go to the pub and I you know had a joke with friends. You know, all yeah. these things are possible when you are feeling at your lowest ebb, when you feel completely lost and disconnected, and like we were saying that this this, this is the primal. This is the primal aspect. Oh, Kat, thank you so much for talking thank to me. Thank you for having me. And remembering Pat today and your amazing book, The Elements of Widowhood, is out now. Kat's book, Elements of Widowhood, is available to buy now. You can follow her on Twitter at Madame, M-A-D-A-M-E underscore George. 
as in G-E-O-R-G-E. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. The show was recorded remotely. It was edited by Kate Holland. The music was provided by The Glue Ensemble, artwork by Jade Perkin. And as ever, thank you so much for listening. You are not alone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm.